Welcome to the official Good Morning Football Podcast. I'm Will Selva, and here are the best moments from this week so far at the breakfast table. Week 13 had us on the edge of our couches, from the Cowboys upsetting the Saints to a major Chargers victory over the Steelers. Let's find out what the breakfast table thought about some of the biggest games from Week 13. My takeaway from this game was you do not want to face the Patriots in Foxborough in about December it. or January. Never good. Since Brady and Belichick got there together when Brady was inserted, they are 55-8 and eight at home in games in Ooh. December and January. That means the playoffs, they're not going to lose at home. That means in the regular season, they're not going to lose at home. It means it needs a colossal effort from everyone. Aldrich Robinson needs to catch up all. Kirk Cousins needs to throw for more yards than 200 yards when you complete 32 passes. That means I'm throwing to Nate for uh, that amount of average yards all game. That's this close. Unbelievable. Ding, 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 ding. You Give need to one. make a play. Here you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the Patriots aren't going to lose at home, which means the Chiefs, we showed them early in the highlight, they need to win out. There is mm. no way they can miss that here. They've already lost to New England once, and if you go to Foxborough in December mm. or January, you ain't coming out of victor. Huh. That felt like a playoff game, and it felt like a Patriot playoff victory the mm. way it was won. Teams mm. get the Ravens and that defense and surging team next week. It'll be very interesting. What do you make of this game? I think this was the Josh McDaniels game. He could be in Indianapolis right now coaching the Colts, doing his thing, making a ton of money, and, you know, we're, we're all amused by Brady running the ball and everything. Here's what I'm amused by. Michelle, 17 carries. White, 6. Burkhead, 7. Devlin, 4. Crazy. Patterson, Edelman, seven Devlin. guys carried the ball. Devlin, two touchdowns. Seven guys carried the ball for the Patriots. Nine guys caught a pass. They have a juggernaut going here. This was McDaniels conducting the orchestra as the coordinator. He stayed in New England for days like this, and I think they are coming down the stretch like they always do. Guys, I took a blood oath Whoa. right here. I cut my hand. I will never not believe in the Patriots. The AFC title game will be in Foxborough, Massachusetts. And That's they're, it. They're That's doing it, it huh? differently, which I love. So you bring up the seven running backs. They yeah. ran the ball seven. 39 times with those seven awesome. guys. They're getting in the mud a little bit. I'm not used to that. And I think maybe it's like residual from the Super Bowl where if you're going to go shot for shot with another offense and your defense isn't as stout as the other ones and the Patriots have some struggles on defense, slow the game down. Play keep away. Mm -hmm. If they have to go one-on-one -on -one with the Rams or the Chiefs, they're going to have to take a page out of the Cowboys' playbook. And they're doing that successfully. It's kind of cool to see them adjust as they always do. Yeah, talking about them winning late in the season, you guys are talking about the running game. They also have Josh Gordon in a game where Gronk looked banged up. He was limping all over the field. At one point, he limped off the field. Uh, Julian Edelman is going to be big, of course, but Josh Gordon is emerging as that playmaker that I thought he'd be. I remember when he first signed with the Patriots, and I said he's going to bring those splash plays like yeah. Randy Moss, yeah. and people in Boston scoffed at me. I said, Nate, you're ridiculous. What are you talking about? This is exactly what I'm talking about. What you're watching right here is Josh Gordon being Josh Gordon, and I promise you this. He's just getting started. He's scratching the surface. He's not even as healthy, as fast as he will be coming up later in this month. So Josh Corden could be the reason why this team continues to knock, knock, knock on the playoff door, as you say, Shregs. <laughs> the Panthers is that defense. When you're looking at what they used as a pillar for so many years was the fact that even when there were struggles offensively, that defense would step up and, and sort of control the narrative of the game. So for me, it's the defensive struggles that stand out to me more than anything. And it might be a cop-out for me saying that when Cam Newton had a yeah. four-interception game. Um, but if you have a game where your quarterback is struggling, sometimes you're going to have to will yourself to win on the other side of the ball. So the defense is going to have to step up and play more because right now that offense is sliding, even with success from McCaffrey. That full screen says it all. They're a mediocre team. With the interceptions. Mm -hmm. One turnover in four games, losing these four straight. They forced 13 turnovers in six games before that. I let Christian McCaffrey into the club and said, hey, defense, if you want in, you got to get it done and turn over the ball. So to your point, Nate, defense is struggling.
plus eight, minus seven. It's like this team's falling off the table. And we got to bring it up. Just, guys, show it to me. Let me see it again. We've shown it every single week. Give it to me, Rick Angelo. You know what I want. This what is the, want? the mantra for this team. Good or bad, there it is. What's up, baby? They were 6-2 and two at that point. You know who they had just beaten in that game? They had just beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really? They bring out the T-shirt, Norv Turner, Cam Newton. What's up, baby? Everything's – and they have not lost the game. They don't won a game since, four straight. The defense doesn't do it. The offense doesn't do it. I know Christian McCaffrey's out there putting up crazy fantasy points and making everybody do backflips, and we love it, but they don't win any games. Peter, you said it. They've turned an overnight into an average team. That's we it. see teams right now who hit the switch and like, where did they come from? Like the Cowboys, they hit the switch the opposite way. It's so disappointing. And I'm waiting for the switch to turn because we've seen Every the week. switch from Keekly. We've seen the switch be turned on for Cam Newton. We know Ron Rivera could win a big game. When's it going to happen? It has to happen now. Like, this is urgent, urgent time. And now there's whispers that, you know, the owner's not happy. Right. All these things start happening. And it right. gets a little louder and a louder, and that could implode. Ron Rivera's a former coach of the year. Cam Newton's a former MVP. Luke Keekley's a former defensive player of the year. You stand up, and you get a win next week. You find a way. And you know what? Weeks 15 and 17, they play the Saints. Yep. Mm. Go win those games. Not enough to be 6-6. Six and six. Not with the talent on that roster. Do you see them turning it around? I think they faith? can. I've seen it before from them. Who do you have more faith in, the Falcons or the Panthers? Panthers. Panthers, right? They, they better turn it around. Listen, with what just, what just happened in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy getting fired, like you said, those whispers are going to get louder and louder, and they're going to start calling there's for too much heads. talent on the roster, and there's too much success from this core for them to lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a must-win game. Tampa Bay is playing well. They are the number one offense. Shout out to Jameis, though, who didn't have any quit in him with, after everything that he's been through. This Panthers season. go to Cleveland next week. If they lose that game, it's over. Like you're, we, we have too many other good teams to talk about. Five in a row, you're out. Now, one turnover for Jameis Winston. You know who I'm going to. Go on. And it's you. Yeah. How are you feeling about these Colts? who have been day. really, really high on lately. Tough day. It felt like the magic ended yesterday. You watched that game, and it was like their talent caught up with them. They had almost nothing on the field where they had a better matchup than Jacksonville. Looking forward, guys, they got to play the Texans. Obviously, it's massive. They got to play the Cowboys. I've said since October that this team's going to the playoffs. And you got to believe in something. I still believe they're going to do it. I still think they have the best quarterback in the AFC South. I'm going to stick with them. It, I know that the numbers don't bear out and the likelihood doesn't bear out. They lost Jack Doyle, which we all laugh about Doyle rules and stuff like that. It affects their run game a ton. It was a big loss for them. But I'm going to double down. I still think luck is that good that they could win out. I've been accused of being a Debbie Downer on this show a lot of times. I'm just like, you know, here's the cold reality. Hey, if you're a playoff team. Go on. <laughs> you can't lose to Cody Kessler. Go six on. Nothing. But they scored a few. No, they didn't score. You can't lose six nothing to Cody Bad. Kessler in the strike. Jaguars just fired their offensive coordinator, bench their quarterback, and have had the worst season that anyone could ever possibly imagine. Bad. And they beat you. You are not a playoff team. You don't deserve Bad. to be in the but playoffs. But maybe our expectations were a little bit Bad. too high, Nate, because they had their GM for the first year, Chris Ballard, of course, trying to or like Chris Ballard was sort of transitioning this offense, trying to put playmakers around Andrew Luck, who came back brilliantly as maybe the comeback player. Of the year, there's good things about the Colts. I agree with Kyle. Everybody just relax. They lose six numbers to the Jaguars. It's, not good. it's fitting because their Colt, the mascot is a horse, and they rode in on their horse, and they got knocked off the horse. I've yeah. never ridden a horse before. I can imagine first time you get knocked off, it's gonna it's gonna shake you up. But they got to hop mm. back on and start riding high again. They went up against the Jags defense that reminded us of the defense that they were last year. So the Jags offense might not have scored any points, but that defense looked like one of the best defense football. Yesterday. See you in 2019, Colts. Get these guys back on track. Think about how good they'll be. I'm not giving up on the Colts Colts Put some playmakers. It was a nice ride. I I, I want this. Hey, that horse was a nice ride. It over. It's a more enticing job, guys. Browns? Cleveland or or Green Green Bay? Bay? The pros and cons for each squad. 
they're, they're different, of course. When you look at the Browns, the pros are a very young team. Um, you have guys that are impressionable. Baker Mayfield, he's locked in, he's bought in, he believes in everything that they're selling in Cleveland. So if you come in, um, you, you can impart whatever it is, your football knowledge, your coaching philosophy, your game plan on a young quarterback who's going to relay that message to the team. But on the flip side, they are young. They're going to make young mistakes. And is the Cleveland Browns. You're going to need some time. Green Bay Packers, on the other hand, the pros are you're going in and you're coaching Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in football. So that's a luxury in itself. But the con is coaching, coaching Aaron Rodgers is like coaching Peyton Manning. You got a coach. You have a guy that's a legend. You have a guy that can go out there and, and really want to do things his own way and run by the beat of his own drum. So you can't walk in as a fan of Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. You got to come in as an authority of the organization. Mm. I, I don't care about the past for either of these teams. You get so caught. I, I love Jerry Kramer, and I love the Ice Bowl and Lisbon Barton. They're not winning me any games right now. It's a nice story. Just like in Cleveland, uh, Tim Couch and Colt McQuarrie aren't losing me any games. And I always try to look around. If you're going to Cleveland, which I think is the answer, look around the division. Roethlisberger, short-timer. Dalton, no idea. Lamar Jackson, no idea if that's going to last. I think the answer is Cleveland because the NFC North has good young quarterbacks who aren't going away you got to play against for a decade. Mm. It's such an interesting one because you've got, like you said, perennially morbid friends franchise the last 30 years. Who cares? The other one is this. I would go with the Packers because Good. of Rodgers, but also the history of Vince Lombardi and now Mike McCarthy and Mike Holmgren. And if you are a champion in Green Bay, I feel like that's a special thing. And I'll take the finished product in Rodgers and I'll roll the dice on Aaron Rodgers, the greatest single quarterback that I've ever seen play over the unknown and the potential of mm. Cleveland. But this is an interesting debate because a year ago, we would have never had this debate. Yeah. You would right. always say Packers. No question. The fact that it's even a debate is a fascinating story about the NFL this year. Is there a debate on whether or not Aaron Rodgers is tradable? Don't freak out. Is Aaron Rodgers tradable? No. I don't if know. You're a, I don't if you're know. A, head, a head coach that gets that gig and he's such a huge price tag and clearly... This isn't, they're not going to, re they're rebuilding oh, right the now. The coach is they're coming there. He ain't making that decision. They're rebuilding around mm. Aaron Rodgers, giving him his price tag. But the rest of the team, like, they're young. They're a young, young team. So I'm, I'm curious if Aaron Rodgers is tradable. There's no next best thing when you get rid of Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he's still one of the best in the game. I will say this, though. Expectations would be different in in Cleveland versus Green well, Bay. Well, how so? Well, if you're in Green Bay, you're expected to win right now. Title you're expected town. to win a championship. Yeah. It's title town. If you're in Cleveland, you got a little bit more time. You think? Yeah. Cleveland's sure. fired about 11 coaches in 10 years. I think Nate's point is nine and seven in Cleveland is, oh my God, let's have a. Parade. The Haslam's don't have a long history here of, uh, hey, sit back and let's give it a shot here. They get rid of their coaches. They, you got to look at franchise. Well, their coaches one sixteen. You know? Yeah, but the, the last since they took over, they, every year's a turnover with the coach. Yeah. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. Hard, roll the dice. Hard Championship to pass titles up versus division Working titles. with one of the best quarterbacks, most talented ones is, in all of NFL history. It's not the nicest guy sometimes. I'm going to take a shot with Baker. Yeah. I like it. We're going to do something together. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fresh. And it's going to be fun. Who's coming with me? Doing, doing <laughs> Jerry like Maguire it. out like of nowhere now. Okay. Except for a flipper here. The water is flipper. warm. Nate, the water is warm. We'll come with me. <laughs> outside the top two teams in the NFC. So outside the Rams who are sitting there at 11-1. They've got the Bears next week. And outside the Saints coming off a loss who still have a two-game lead over the Bears for a first-round bye. Who's the most compelling team in the entire NFC, Peter? You know who, who intrigues me? They play yeah. tonight. The Eagles. They, I can't quit the Eagles. Tonight, like, yeah. The Rams play the Eagles coming up. The Redskins play them tonight. Like, If the Eagles get in the playoffs, I look at this playoff picture, and it's like young Rams team that's never had a big playoff win, Saints team that collapsed uh, you know, with the Minneapolis Miracle, and, oh, yeah, the Eagles on the outside who, oh, by the way, won a Super Bowl last year. Until the champs are dead, I can't. 
say they're out of it, and they won a very gritty one. They were down 19-3 to to the Giants last week, and they found a way. I think they're going to beat the Redskins tonight. And guess what? They play the, the Cowboys next week. I wouldn't be shocked if the defending champions just find a way. I know they've got five defensive backs injured, and I can't name their running backs, and Josh Adams might be hurt. Who knows? The Eagles, they are defending champions. I want to see what they're made of. They've got five games left. Let's see what they can do. Okay. Because the champ, Mm -hmm. the champ is in Philadelphia. (laughs) As much as we're praising all these other teams, the champions are in Philly. Okay. Can't lose the Colt McCoy tonight. Cannot right. lose the Colt McCoy. You talked last week about the concept of hashtag juice. The teams that have it, the teams that don't. That Falcon Super Bowl team had it. The Cowboys have found it. The Bears have a lot of juice, even coming off a loss. Kay Adams, I thought, had a compelling take earlier in the show that, yes, they lost to the Giants, which looks terrible on paper, but there was still so much merit in that loss and still so much juice. They recovered an onside kick. They give it to their, their second-string running back to throw with the game on the line, and he completes it. They do crazy Akeem stuff. Akeem Hicks. Yeah, and Akeem Hicks, they got a defensive tackle scoring a touchdown. The magic is there. And now, look, they lost the game on the road, and their backup quarterback had two interceptions, and Trubisky's in there. I do think they win that game. So even in a loss, I'm still intrigued by the Chicago Bears, and I still think they had the defensive firepower to shock the world, meaning take out L.A., take out New Orleans. There's only a few people in the world who do that. I think they're one of them. Panthers have lost four straight. You mentioned the Cowboys. Nate, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. It's really intriguing because it was, I'm not going to say shocking, it was stunningly impressive what they did against the Saints in shutting them down on the defensive side of the ball. Dak Prescott sort of found some sort of groove over that four-game win streak. He has seven touchdowns and no interceptions. Amari Cooper is maybe the best midseason addition made of the season if they do make it deep. The roster's good. They're taking care of the football. This is one of those teams you do not want to face. The defense, okay? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, defense is playing well. Mm-hmm. Defense is Saints are still well. thinking about this game. <laughs> All right, so I have a team I'm surprised you guys haven't mentioned. So I have the most compelling, the scariest, and the most entertaining team. We got the Seattle Seahawks. Uh-huh. How are we not talking about this team? Was as hot as any. Russell Wilson playing at a high level. Check out his numbers from this game. 11 for 17, 185, and four TDs. You guys want to talk about clutch. You mentioned the Patriots and Tom Brady and Belichick playing good in December. How about Russell Wilson? Could be the most clutch guy in December. And they're not just doing it in the air. They're doing it on the ground, one of the best rushing teams. And Bobby Wagner just took a pick 97 yards. 98. (laughs) Hey, don't look now, but this is reminding me of the Super Bowl team. When Russell Wilson is controlling the game with his arm and his legs, they're running the ball well. Remember, Marshawn Lynch, now they got two guys back there doing it. The playmakers surrounding him are catching in the air, and that defense is stepping up, hitting guys in the mouth and creating turnovers. If I was any team, I don't care how good you are, Mm -hmm. I'll be scared to play the Seahawks in December and in January. And the Broncos don't look now. They've won three straight. They have wins over the Chargers and the Steelers. They're a game back of the Ravens for the final wild card spot in the AFC, but they have company because the Colts and the Titans and the Dolphins also just sitting one game back of Baltimore. So that in the hunt column is a mess. Shriggs, that is a mess. Mess. It is a, oh, we like it. a log jam, which is great for TV and great for content and great for Sundays. And of all those teams, the one I might be most fascinated with is the Baltimore Ravens because they've won three games in a row. They've got this great defense, and yet there's this, like, quarterback controversy thing, kind of. Lamar Jackson's is won there? three straight games. Mm-hmm. But if Flacco's healthy, you're paying him the money he's making. And Robert Griffin got in yesterday. 
John Harbaugh yesterday said that he thinks he's got the best quarterbacks room in the entire NFL, which is such an interesting comment considering there's no slam dunk Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes-like talent. It's three guys who are all capable of playing and all bring different skill set. The Ravens, to me, go into Kansas City next weekend in a 1 o'clock game on CBS. I am so fascinated to see what happens when those two styles clash. The Ravens are all defense and ball control. The Chiefs are all offense and very little defense. If the Ravens have a shot here to win the AFC North, They've got to beat the mm. Chiefs next week in Arrowhead. And if that happens, you want to talk about a Jenga board or a jigsaw puzzle being ripped apart? Good luck, AFC playoff picture. That will be the shocker, but also the earthquake that the AFC playoff picture has been looking for this past few months. I, Ravens are fascinating to me right now. I think they can make a little run. Um, they are fascinating. They're exciting as hell. For me, I, I have this one friend whose name I'm not going to mention because he's in the corporate world now. I can't figure him out. He's so hot and cold. One weekend, I'll be, oh, I don't want to go out. I'm binging Ozark. He doesn't want to get off the couch. The next weekend he shows up, he's like, let's do fireball shots and wife swap. Wow, like he's crazy. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, that friend to me is the wife Tennessee swap. Titans. Yeah, I mean, he, he wants it. I don't. Uh, he's the, and his wife's beautiful, but it's just not my thing. Don't name his name. No, no, I won't. He knows who he is. <laughs> he works for a, a Fortune 500 company. But that to me, that friend is the Tennessee Titans. I, I think I'm scared by them, compelled them, because I don't know what to expect. The Tennessee Titans beat Dallas convincingly. Yeah. They beat the Patriots convincingly. as They beat them up. But then they were also destroyed by the Colts. They lost to the Bills. And then we see them this week, and they need every ounce of what they've got to beat the Jets team. I don't know how they show up on a given day. I know they can beat the best teams in the league, and I know they can lose to the worst teams in the league. The, against the, the Texans, showdown, AFC South. Mariota starts 19-19 as one of the best games of his career. They lose by three scores. Unreal. So I don't know what to expect from my wild friend named the Titans, but I kind of want them at the party. They're awesome when it matters. Yeah. Hell I want yes. them at the party. What well, do you for got? me, I'm looking at a team that they're the definition of what the postseason is about. You run the ball, you take care of the ball, and you have great defense to back that all up. I'm looking at the Broncos. I mean, they're 6-6 six and six right now. They could win their next five, possibly, and, and, and go out here and have one of the best records in the, in the NFL. I'm, I'm the next four games, I'm sorry, so they could finish this season at 10-6. and six. And you're looking at Philip Lindsay, who's playing at an unbelievable level. We keep talking about him being undrafted, and that's fine. But if you really break down what he's doing on the field, he's one of the best in the game. Case Keenum hasn't turned the ball over the last four games after having ten interceptions in eight games. Yeah. Bob Miller's in double-digit sacks. Bradley Chubb is almost in double-digit mm-hmm. sacks. Yeah, These guys are doing their thing, man. Case Keenum doesn't have to do it all anymore because Philip Lindsay's sort of showing up. You're saying they could do really well down the stretch with these games at Niners. Yeah. I think Browns. Oh, yeah. At Raiders yeah. mm-hmm. and the Chargers mm-hmm. who they beat and mm-hmm. they get them at home. Mm-hmm. I like it. Broncos? Could Woo! finish 10-6. Nobody timing, wants to man. face the Broncos. We're always here to learn new things each week, and week 13 was no different. Here's what the breakfast table learned from the action in week 13. All right, I'll start this thing off with a little what we learned. Okay, so what I learned is when it comes to Aaron Donald, double teams? Don't matter. Now, when you think of the word double, right, double, what comes to mind when you work more than one job like we all do at this table? It's called pulling double duty. Uh, when you want two patties on your cheeseburger, it's a double cheeseburger. And when someone does you dirty, it's it's being double crossed because mm. of a double standard, yep. right, double. Uh, how about a guy who doesn't perform his own stunts, right? That's called having a stunt double. You know who doesn't need a stunt double? Aaron Donald. Let's roll the Chuck Norris training video. Here we go. All right. Now, mama always said children should never play with knives. 
Well, mama, this ain't no child. This is a man child. He's actually doing training with knives and pads. And we don't know if they're real or fake. We know I, they're fake, but okay. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> Peter. Thanks. Hey, let me have my segment, okay? Yeah, come on. I'm going to say they're real. It's not what Peter, Peter learned. It's what Nate learned. All right. So I know you're asking at home, well, Nate, how does that translate to the football field? Okay, okay well, let's focus on the double yes. team. And I'm not talking about the classic film with Van Damme and Rodman. All right, here we go. Up against the Lions. He's going to split Kenny Wiggins and, and Graham Glasgow. That right there was easy money. We're going to spot shadow Aaron Donald on each of these so you can see. You'll see it right here. Two guys try to block him. He splits, and then he takes off, dives about two yards, lands on top of Matt Stafford, ball comes out, and, of course, Ebukon gets on top of it. All right, let's move along. The next play. Let's go to the next one. Up against the Seahawks in week 10. We're going for most recent and working our way backwards. Here we are. J.R. Sweezy and Justin Britt. That is just pure speed right there. When you're looking at Aaron Donald, he goes aggressive to the attack, pushes as if he's doing a bench press, and then he splits. And watch this. Power. And then he gets right to the quarterback, causing chaos. The next one, up against the Niners, week seven. Check him out. Here he is again on the interior. Remember, he's interior guy, leading league. That's a swim move. That's a power press. And then he pushes right there, McGlinchey, right into the lap of the quarterback. That's Pearson and McGlinchey. That's two moves in one. A receiver coming off mm. the ball, swim move, and then he power presses you as if he's lifting weights. All right, week four, up against the Vikings. We'll see Riley Reef Compton in F-line on this one. Three guys. Three guys. You'll see <laughs> Oh my God. I'm running out of breath, like yeah. guys trying to guard him. Here it is. Just take a look at him again. This is pure speed right here. He uses his arm. You see the knife drill right, right there, what he's doing? Yeah. Knocked him down. They have three guys trying to get to him, and he gets to the quarterback, spins around. He doesn't even go down. He throws down the quarterback. That right there is just pure power, pure speed, pure ability. All this comes, brings me to my point. The point I'm trying to make is that when you're going up against Aaron Donald, one-on-one, you're done. If you put two guys on him, I'm going to tell you right now, he's still going to win. So if you want to stop him, you better use three people if you want to keep your quarterback clean. Because with Aaron Donald, double teams do not matter. Mm. Incredible. Mm. He is incredible, Kyle. If he breaks that straight hand record, we all got to retire. I mean, that, that's the, a joke. From the interior. I know. I we have guys. And no Brett Favre. 20 plus sacks on the outside that made their job easier getting to the quarterback. Could you see him as an MVP of the entire league? Yeah, I mean, they're the best team in football. And he's one of the main reasons why. And he's so much better than everybody that's, else. That's yeah. the truth. Yep. Um, I said the MVP question because I've been making a push for Patrick Mahomes' MVP candidacy since he first took the field this season. I really do believe he is the MVP. And with Drew Brees having a substandard game last week and with Andrew Luck putting up zero points, I think Mahomes really took a control of that lead dog thing. But one thing I didn't feel like we got into yesterday was the highlights that he had on Sunday. So I wanted to take a little time to just show you three insane throws yeah. that Patrick Mahomes had against the Raiders. This one here, look at the body angle and the arm angle. He throws it across his body. You gotta take a look. That's the all 22. Take a look at the angle on this one here. He's running left and just ah, flicks it right. That's awesome. This, so you tell you're growing. This is the stuff you're not supposed to do. So all in the same game. Here's one to Kelsey. Look at him rolling right. That's off one leg. Look how far it goes in the air. This is stuff you're not supposed to be able to physically do. So we talk about the numbers. We talk about the stats. Look at the body and look at the arm angle and where the ball is released with what his legs are doing. <laughs> it's a flick of the wrist, yeah. a perfect spiral thrown in the only place it could be done. The very next play from this, because he was ruled down, he has a touchdown pass to Demarcus Robertson. Check out this pass. Rolling right and look at the coverage. How? How do you get that in there? That's that is how sway. That is not supposed to happen. 
Look at the body and then look at the coverage. There's only one place on the entire field you can throw that. That's and that's where he caught it. The torque is incredible. And here's what my point is. Yeah. It's amazing those three plays. What's crazier is that we're seeing that every week. And none of those three passes would even come close to my top five list of Patrick Mahomes throws this year. Do you have okay. those? Shall we? Let's go to the Peter Traeger <laughs> top five Patrick Mahomes. Week nine. Again, we talk about placement of a pass. <laughs> that one looks like a simple pass until you see the coverage. There we go. Look how perfect this placement is. You can't throw the ball any differently than right there. We get to, okay, this one was all about the arm and the body. Ah! <laughs> not going to break his arm. Not supposed <laughs> to be able to physically do this. It's like Gumby. Gosh. Running left and just, that's it. Perfect Wait, spiral I've, I've across seen my own quarterbacks get hurt doing you this. You can hurt yourself. You can tear yeah, your arm I've out doing it. this. I've seen it. Okay, well, how about this? It's 40 to 33 Patriots, three minutes left, fourth quarter, Sunday night. No, 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 no. Not supposed to be able to do that to Tyreek Hill. Ties the game. Of course, the Patriots would win. But this was that one where Collinsworth is like, how do you answer? How do you respond? Oh, come on. And that's how you. All right, let's go to Monday night football, the real coming out party for Patrick Mahomes. Vaughn Miller's chasing him. How are you going to make the throw? He throws it lefty. That's the first down. Lefty to move the chains and keep this game alive. <laughs> Lefty. No laces. Come on. <laughs> Ray no Finkel. one else does this. Ray Finkel. <laughs> and then my favorite one of all was a game that I happened to be at. I was Go on, on the Peter. sidelines for this. This is the one. Rolls all the way left, turns his body. This is against the 49ers. Falls down, gets up, and look at this. <laughs> a rope to, my, to Chris Connolly. <laughs> a rope. Look at this. Left. Roll, spin, fall, rope. <laughs> it's like three feet above the ground. We still have four games That's left. I think he's going to be the MVP. I think the numbers speak for themselves. We've gone nuts. I also think he's the human highlight reel. This yeah. is Dominique Wilkins every single week. The show he puts on is obviously in the box score, but I think you have to see the passes to truly appreciate the brilliance mm. of Patrick Mahomes. An amazing performance Sunday, but then again, it's an amazing performance every single Sunday. I love the show. It's a great nickname. Get a cigarette, Peter. Yeah. We'll take a short red break. And, red and yellow, too. You're saying it is. Dominique. He, he, in week 13, had a bunch of great catches. He went through his top five. Is he above reproach? How do you defend the torque that you were just talking about? Is it even possible? Because I think a lot of people thought defenses will eventually figure him out. It hasn't happened. Yeah, ain't no figuring this out. Mm-hmm. No, you cannot defend the torque. Dama Fleek Wilkins. Dama Fleek Wilkins. We got it, baby. What I learned this week is that defense won week 13. The Ravens shutting down the Falcons offense. The Jags shutting out. The Colts and the surging Seahawks having the poster boy for defenses flipping tables late in the season. His name is Bobby Wagner, and he is a one-man legion Mm. of boom. We had the middle linebacker, the stud, on Good Morning Football back in June, and we asked him about all the changes, the upheaval, the graduation of this roster, and here's what he said. I feel like there's still more out there for me to get. I feel like, but that's that's up to me. I can control that. I can keep going out there, making plays. Uh, I feel like, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, I had some unfortunate things happen with my body, but uh, you know, I've been taking care of myself and, and making sure that doesn't happen again. And, and I'm excited for the season. We have a great opportunity to kind of show the world that um, we're gonna be still be good. I mean, I just say, man, stay focused because uh, you know we're gonna come in and we're gonna come ready to play. Everybody has a game where they uh, do good. Uh, yeah, you had one of those games where you did good. You done good, Bobby. This weekend against the Niners, 
you might have seen his 98-yard pick six that you're looking at right now. That is, by the way, the first of his seven-year career. Nick Mullins turns it over to Wagner in the red zone. Wagner turns on the gas, taking it to the other end of the field. And what is his touchdown celebration? He's saying because it was an easy celebration to do him sleeping. <laughs> I think it's because the world is still sleeping. Still. Bobby like Wags. I do. I think so. Bobby was special on Sunday. 12 tackles, filling up the stat sheet, including two for a loss. Two passes defended, one sack, one forced fumble, and recovery. And after the game, his coach said, you can't talk about this game unless you talk about Bobby Wagner. He had a phenomenal game. There's not many more things the guy could do. So personally, I thought when the Legion of Boom disbanded, guys, and the, the louder voices like Richard Sherman and Chancellor and company finally left that team, he'd get his due and his well-earned respect. I, I don't know, Tricks, do you think he gets it? I don't. This guy might be the best middle linebacker in football, and I don't think he's talked about that way. Yeah, so next season, next offseason, we're predicting the future of these Seattle Seahawks that very well might be in play for the postseason as they are heating up at the right time. I want this to serve as a reminder for all of us that as long as Bobby Wagner is on the field, Seattle's defense is just fine. Mm. That's a good point, Kay. He's first-team all-arms, too. He's awesome. God, he has great All arms. next, too. I've got, a guy, yeah. I've got a guy I know named Jason Thornbray. works in stats at Fox, and he is – convinced that Bobby Wagner is the best defensive player in football. And he says, not only that, he says Bobby Wagner, when it's all said and done, will have Hall of Fame consideration. He's hey, that good and no so question. important. And I never thought of Wagner in that light. But you look at what he's doing year in, year out, and now with all those guys removed, this might be where he puts a stamp on his career and says, no, 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 I was the reason all along that we've been as good I as I encourage we people to go look at his stats. He fills up the stat box like no other linebacker in football. Wow. We could do that for what we learn and underappreciate. That's good. <laughs> it was a little combo. Yeah, I like One, it. One, two. Um, all of the greats have something that people pick apart about them. You know, Le LeBron's hair and Jordan's clothes. And <laughs> Brady has his running. All right, Tom Brady jokes about running go back as long as football, it seems. Well, the joke is that the Tom Brady finally hit 1,000 yards rushing, guys. It's a pretty cool accomplishment. I don't care how many years it took you to do it. Here he is against the Vikings. Now, I've said that Tom Brady looks like a baby deer running. I've said he's Bambi on the ice. Our friend comedian Paul Versey says he runs like he's carrying a refrigerator. <laughs> um, but nobody makes more jokes about Tom Brady running than Tom Brady himself. And after he did this, he ran to the gram and did this. Nine and three. But you know what? The only reason I've been playing 19 years is to get to that thousand yards. And I did it. So that's it. I'm out. Stop it, Tom. Incredible on the Instagram. No, really, stop it. Um, I, I, I tried to look, though. Where does Tom Brady rank all time? If he's the GOAT as yeah. a quarterback, where does he rank all time on the rushing list? Check this out where he is. He's 663. And look at the guys who's above. <laughs> Elvis Peacock is at 662. Fake guy. Yes. Fake Listen guy. to me. Elvis Peacock's a 1978 first-round pick out of Oklahoma to the L.A. Rams. The real Come person, on. Elvis Peacock. Seriously. And of all people, Char Kendrick West in the news this week is yeah. Right below Brady. Kyle, I'm not falling for this. Did you make up Elvis Peacock? I swear it is not a Demolition Smithers that I made up. Elvis <laughs> Peacock's Miss, a real dude. Miss Peacock of Clue's husband. Not related. Okay. North to Miss Scarlet or Colonel Mustard. Kyle played three years Elvis with Rams Peacock. and then Bengals. <laughs> and, and Brady's looking up at Peacock, right? Isn't that incredible? Elvis Peacock in the 70s, like his parents just looked around and said, Elvis Peacock. That's our son. What a guy, right? Elvis Peacock. So my point is, Brady's going to run down Peacock next. But here's what I ask you. To get to that rare air, that Peacock, Shout out to NBC, by the way. Um, 
I'm going to ask you guys. You have whiteboards right now. Uh-huh. Of those thousand yards that Brady has, okay. What do you? How long was Tom Brady's longest touchdown run of his touchdown career? Touchdown run. Touchdown, touchdown run. run. How many yards long do you think it was? I mean, you, it, it takes a village to get to a thousand, right? There's people helping him. There's blocking and everything. All right. Show me who you got on the whiteboard. Shrakes, what do you got? I got Burleson's old number when he was with the Lions. I'm going with lucky 13. You think Brady saying? got 13? Thir- 13 run? yard touchdown run. All right, Adams, what do you got? Six-yard touchdown run, lock him in, right. 13. You know, I was actually going to go on, 13. Nate. So, um, you know what? I'm going to go. Go big, Nate. What do you got? One dollar, one dollar. I'm going to go 21. All right, 21. Guys, let's roll 2002. Tom Brady versus the Tennessee Titans, the longest touchdown run of his career. Come on. From the 10-yard line, a 10-yard touchdown yards. run is the longest he's had. 2002, young, young Tom Brady, fresh out of That's Michigan. That's a freak. Javon Kurtz Javon Kurtz standing there with his hands on his hips. He's like, my gosh, this guy's going to catch Elvis Peacock someday. Now I'm going to double down, guys. I'm going to double down. Okay. Double jeopardy. All right. I love that. If that's the longest that. touchdown run of Brady's career, 10 yards, yeah. what is the longest run of run. his career? Period. Touchdown. Otherwise, it's longer than 10. I'll give, it, I'll give you that. Longest run. Brady's been in this thing 19 years. All right. There's a lot there. of dropbacks. I got 20 yards. Peter's in early at 20. 20. 20 yards. Seems light to me. 20, 20 yards. Adams with 22, the double deuce. Price and Nate's going right. big. 34? 30. What do you think? Is Randall Cunningham? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, go to 2000. What do you think Elvis Peacock? <laughs> <laughs> 2006, guys. Tom Brady breaks off. Oh, come on. A 22 yard run against the Bengals. Adams hit it on the head. Look at him. We got Kevin Fox split out to the right, who's had an interesting last couple of weeks. And Brady breaks the pocket against the Bengals on the road in the jungle. Tom, get out of bounds. Get out. That's the longest run. And he could have got more. Run. He could have gotten 23. Come on, Tom. 22, 22. So we've had our fun. Crazy Kyle's Trivia Challenge. This is the <laughs> deal, though. We all make a million jokes about him. You know what the real joke is? The real joke is the greatest run of Tom Brady's career. I'm going to tear up is a 19-year run as the New England no. Patriots quarterback. The run to 12 title games. That's the greatest run. That's the real joke. We love you, Tom Brady. And we love you, Elvis Peacock. You're the man. What's up, Elvis? That's the Underappreciated storylines in tomorrow. Awesome. If one of you doesn't do Elvis Peacock, I will be... I don't know where he is. Captain, you got to let me fly on this one. Find him. Uh, I, I don't know if he's with us. I have no clue. The league is full of personalities who don't usually get the love they deserve. That's where Good Morning Football comes in. Let's find out the stories we should have been paying attention to with this week's underappreciated storyline. Every week here on Good Morning Football, we like to shine light on players on storylines that aren't getting enough shine, enough love. We call them our underappreciated storylines, and it's my favorite segment of the week, so stay tuned, and thanks for hanging out with us. And Peter, do you yeah. want to go first? Okay, I love going first, and I love doing the underappreciated storylines because we bring things to light that maybe you don't know at home, but let's start with the Rams. Oh, They clinched their second straight division title on Sunday. It was cool for guys like Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald. But as the team was celebrating and doing the whole Ric Flair, woo, and singing the Migos song in the locker room, I couldn't help but think of 37-year-old father of four and 13-year NFL veteran Andrew Whitworth. A division title means another playoff game and another opportunity for one of the more respected and beloved guys in the league. And here's the deal that has brought him to this conversation. He's never won a playoff game. Mm. Witt has played in seven postseason games before. Seven. And he's 0 for 7. He's never won one. It's a wild stat. To me, it's a wilder stat than Jim Kelly losing four Super Bowls. Wilder than Brandon Marshall having never played in a playoff game. (laughs) Wilder than any Susan Lucci runner-up factoid that we can dig up. (laughs) Seven postseason games. In those games, 
They have been bad losses. They lost to the Jets in 2009 oh. when he was with the Bengals, 24-14. Lost with, to the Texans two years in a row. Then the Chargers won when Phillip Rivers came into Cincinnati and won 27-10. They lost to the Colts 26-10 in a game where A.J. Green was hurt and couldn't play. They lost to the Steelers in the famous Vontez Perfect, mm -hmm. oh, Joey yeah. Porter game. Yeah. And then they lost last year to the Falcons when he joined the Rams. No player in NFL history has ever lost eight playoff games before winning one. He's knocking on the door. No one ever. You think about it. Look at this list. He has played in the most playoff games in NFL history without a win. Wow. That is seven. And the thing with Whitworth, he's this beloved left tackle who's been to Pro Bowls. He's earned all pro honors. He's the guy. And the Rams are having this awesome season. And the Super Bowl is obviously the goal. But I would be lying if I didn't say... I'd like to see Whitworth at least walk off the field in one of those January playoff games with a victory. I, I, I'm special because I know I'm not alone. This guy means so much to that community right now. Head coach Sean McVay speaks the world of him. And maybe that's because McVay is five years younger than him and looks up to the guy. But Whitworth is more than just a dude who plays for the Rams and has lost a bunch of playoff games. He's a community leader. He's going to be a Walter Payton Man of the Year type pillar for this league. And after the horrific Thousand Oaks shooting, Whitworth donated his entire game check for the following game to the victims of that thing and their families. So when his family personally was evacuated from their home because of the California wildfires, it was Whitworth who sprung into action, helped organize efforts, made sure as many firefighters, evacuees, and children impacted could experience that amazing Monday night win over the Chiefs. Andrew Whitworth is going to the playoffs. He's going to do it for the seventh time, now the eighth time. And we'll be out there yet again. We'll be rooting for him and do all this stuff. And I know the Lombardi Trophy is the goal in L.A. I know mm -hmm. it's all they're focused on. But I have to wonder if those guys in the locker room are thinking just a little bit, Let's win the first one first. Yeah. Let's just get Whitworth his postseason victory. There's no reason that that guy, who is such an amazing pillar for the NFL, should be the owner of such a stupid and disglorious right. statistic. He shouldn't be the first guy to lose eight playoff games out of win. So for all this, Whitworth, they call him Wit in the locker room. Yes. Wit, my underappreciated storyline. Congrats on another playoff run, and yes. here's to you getting a playoff win. Good my stuff, man. man. That's what I'm talking my about. Oh, man. Well, I guess this underappreciated segment is going to be about wins and losses because you're talking about losses. I'm going to talk about wins and also championships, similar to Meek Mill's last two albums, wins and losses and championships. So my underappreciated storyline for this week is Coach Mike McCarthy. Now, it hasn't been a great week for Mike. He lost to the Cardinals on Sunday, then lost his job just hours later. Now, since McCarthy has joined the Packers in 2006, Check this out. There has been 104 different head coaches on the sidelines in the NFL. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about Coach McCarthy and what he brought to the Green Bay Packers during his time there. Now, let's take this back to 2006. Mm. He immediately had to deal with the drama of Brett Favre. If you guys remember that, the legend of Brett Favre. Is he retiring? Is he staying? Is he playing? Well, Brett Favre, he decides to stay 2007, and he has one of the best years of his career. They're 13-3, but they lose in the NFC Championship game. Now let's fast forward. After him helping mold Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, who was there during the Brett Favre drama in 2010, Mike McCarthy brings a championship trophy to Lombardi back to Green Bay. But Mike McCarthy's career... It isn't just about championships and Super Bowl runs. He also got the best out of his players. Let's go through this list real quick. Charles Woodson, Defensive Player of the Year in 2009. Mm. Who's on the sidelines? Head coach Mike McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl MVP. Two regular season MVPs. Who was on the sideline? Head coach Mike McCarthy. 
He also helped mold young stars, the rise of superstars like Clay Matthews and Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, who we praise all the time. Guess who was on the sideline for those guys? Coach Mike McCarthy. I like to say this all the time. For every great football player, there's a great head coach sitting on the sideline. So for all those teams that are probably going to be looking for a head coach this next season, you should sing a song like Mike. If I could play for Mike, because he's going to bring a certain element of pride, of integrity, and possibly a championship. Mike McCarthy, I see you. I played against you a ton, and you whooped up on my teams a ton. <laughs> so getting fired after a game, after what you brought to Green Bay, I didn't like it. So I want to show you some love, and you are my underappreciated storyline. Yeah, It's like amazing it, you brought up those other names. I, I'm kind of in the same boat here. It's such a dignified, refined career and a Super Bowl and all the stories afterwards. Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, like, it almost is a disservice to the fact that you're right. Clay Matthews has not played for no other coach in his career. Yeah. Jordy Nelson had all the – Right. Yeah. It became this thing about Aaron Rodgers and his personality. Like, it really did take away from the amazing career this man had. Nate, thank you for bringing mm -hmm. it up because I think a lot of people are overlooking the resume and yeah. what he's done for that franchise. And there's pointing to Aaron Rodgers' personality and his mm -hmm. clash with him, which is such a disservice to McCarthy and his mm -hmm. legacy. There. And this is, this is Green Bay. It, it's not necessarily a market that a lot of players want to go to. It's not first on the list of saying, you know, I want to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, where it's cold and I want to go play for them. Yeah. A lot of guys want to go to the big city get the big checks, big endorsement deals, and these are household names. Of course, of course, their talent is something we're going to praise all the time, but there's always a head coach on the sideline that pushes these guys to go past who they are, become an exaggerated version of themselves, and it's not just Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers. It's the host of guys that we love watching play right now, and coach head coach McCarthy was one of those guys that pushed them. Where's his head coach going? Highly sought after? Yeah, he'll get interviews. I'm not sure if it's this year as a head coach. I think Cleveland's a good fit because of the fact the Cleveland front office has three guys who used to work with McCarthy in Green Bay, including John Dorsey, mm -hmm. who's going to be running that search. Um, I, I don't take know, his time. I don't know time. if getting fired with four games left this season didn't help Mike McCarthy and the fact that he can gather himself yeah. and right. kind of look at this Figure and see what, what he, he wants. wants to do before this whole hiring spree goes on. But there was a bit of a lack of dignity that I felt that after a loss to the Arizona Cardinals that no one saw the next morning he's given his farewell press conference. It, it was a little odd, Nate. You're right. I feel like he could have... It could have been handled differently, but I'm not sure it was necessary to be handled. The man has a street named after him. Yes. He literally drives to work on Mike McCarthy Drive. Mm. I think this is going to end well for Mike McCarthy. I just keep looking at Andy Reid. And I, I finally leaving Philadelphia after so many yeah. good years there. And I look what he's fallen into in Kansas City. He's gonna, I mean, Cleveland would be incredible. The New York papers are already calling for him here for the Jets when and if Bulls goes. I think this is going to have happy ending. I think it was probably going to benefit him in the long run. I do. Some of the times I've felt the smallest as a man are the times in my household when I've had to call someone to come and do work and pay them to do the work that I can't do. Like, like, my DIY level is like a generous four. It might be a three. I can do Christmas lights. I can hang pictures and stuff. But I'm not uh, hanging drapes and doing really complicated things. And uh, my wife says, Brooks, says, just call someone. Just call someone. And I'm sitting there for hours trying to get this thing going. Then the person shows up. They're incredible. You're glad you called on them. And they have a real honorable thing, these guys. They show up, these plumbers and these handymen. This is what I've seen over the years in the NFL. We saw the example of just that. In this past weekend's Carolina Panthers game, Cam Newton left the game at the end of the game when the Hail Mary was required, and none other than Taylor Heineke comes off the bench to throw a Hail Mary. This is one of the most interesting vocational specializations there is in the NFL. Guys who come in just to chuck the Hail Mary. Now, this is Taylor Heineke coming in 
for a number one overall pick who apparently had a sore shoulder, came up short, doesn't work. It's a weird dynamic because the number one guy wants to throw it. It might even be a little bit emasculating for him not to throw it. We saw it earlier this season with the Colts. Andrew Luck, a number one overall pick, was pulled off the field so Jacoby Brissett could come and chuck this thing. Frank Reich said, well, you know, Jacoby could throw it a mile, and we knew he had it. It left us worried if Luck's shoulder was fine and everything like that. Jacoby comes in. He's the handyman doing the job as you sit there and watch and pay him. There was even another time when Brock Osweiler was a rookie where he had never played in a game before, and Peyton was there at the end of the game, and Peyton's old and everything, and Brock Osweiler, they didn't know if Peyton could throw it very, but Peyton looked like he could throw it about 15 yards that year, and Brock said, quote, I wasn't sure where the divide line was as far as whether they're going to put me in or not, and it felt kind of uncomfortable, but I was ready. Sure enough, the Broncos turned the ball over, didn't come to that. We've seen it over and over and over. By the way, Peyton, a number one overall pick, and you might ask, has it ever worked? Has someone ever come in like yeah. a designated hitter or a pinch hitter and hit a 500-foot home run? My friends, let's go to 2000 when Drew Bledsoe of the Patriots, a number one overall pick, came out for Michael Bishop to throw the Hail Mary. Tom Brady on the Patriots was inactive Look in this game. And what does Michael Bishop do? Completes it. Yes. Touchdown. Patriots, he comes in, throws it as Bledsoe, who goes the whole way, just stands there and watches. One watch. of the biggest arms in NFL history, Bledsoe. Come Couldn't on do out. it. I don't know what was going on with that arm, Peter. Walla Walla, Washington, a proud day for them. But Michael Bishop comes in. So I see these guys. They don't get a chance to warm up. They're standing there one second. Next thing you go, go in there, avoid the pass rush, and chuck it 50, 60 yards, and walk by the number one quarterback as he's taken <laughs> off the field. These guys, to me, they are the They're plumbers. They are the handymen. They are the male escorts, whatever it needs <laughs> to get the job done that you can't get done. I've been the Bledsoe, the Peyton, the Luck, and the Cam so many times I can't stand it. So especially this time of year when people are calling to hang Christmas lights and whatnot, I respect those chuckers who come off the bench cold and still throw it a country mile. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Good Morning Football Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on all our channels and come back tomorrow for some more fun. So from all of us here at GMFB, have a good morning and a great day. 